Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. And Aphek is a, a town that is due west of Shiloh, and in this place, in Shiloh, remember, was the tabernacle. But now the Philistines are gathering in Aphek, which is in their land, uh, along where the Philistines were. Welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series in chapter 4 in the book of 1 Samuel. In our lesson, we see how Israel entered battle against many neighboring rivals. During this time, there was no great world power, such as Egypt or Assyria, seeking to dominate the region. So Israel's battles were waged against her near neighbors, such as the Moabites, the Ammonites, or, as here, the Philistines. The Philistines were an immigrant people from a military aristocracy of the island of Crete. They came in large numbers soon after Israel came to Canaan from Egypt. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. But this evening, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 4. But before we get into chapter 4, I just want to back up a little bit to verse 19. and We're just going to read through... Chapter 3, verse 19, down through the 11th verse of chapter 4. And then we'll come back and take a look at this. Uh, Remember, uh, chapter 3 was Samuel's first prophecy as a young man. And you recall that Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were very corrupt. They were very corrupt. And the Lord had pronounced a judgment upon... Eli, or actually his two sons, because Eli didn't discipline his two sons, and instead he just kind of let them go and do whatever they wanted. Instead of disciplining them, he just, he kind of checked out as a dad, and that's never a good thing to do as a parent. And, um, and as a result of that, because Eli wasn't listening to the Lord, he was no longer listening, God had to send a prophet, a man of God, to come and rebuke Eli, to tell him Uh, the problem with his sons. And the problem with him, actually, because his sons had a major problem, but he seemed to do nothing about it. And God pronounced a judgment upon his sons, that in one day they would both die. And in fact, throughout Eli's uh, lineage, really, uh, there wouldn't be any old man in his lineage. In fact, they would die short. um, They would die while they're young. And we're going to see 
in chapter 4 tonight, we're going to see that prophecy being fulfilled, at least initially. And so um, God says what he means, and he means what he says. He doesn't waste words. He doesn't mince words. And so let's pick up um, in chapter 3, verse 19. It says, so after God spoke to Samuel these same things, confirming to Samuel the things that the man of God had spoken of in verse 27 of chapter 2, that now it says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, that's all the way from the northern tip of Israel all the way down to the southern portion of Israel, they knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And it says, Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek, and then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us. Emphasis mine. (laughs) From the hand of our enemies. And so the people sent to Shiloh and that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. But when, and when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. And now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does this sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. And so the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. They died. Now let's go back to uh, chapter 3 there in the last few verses. Notice what it says in, in let me see here, um, in uh, chapter 3, in verse 21, notice what it says. It says, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. The, the Lord had been absent for quite a while. And all of a sudden, now that God has a man in the tabernacle there that, that really loves him, that is there according to his word, dedicated to the Lord, Now the Lord shows up because he knows that when he speaks, his words aren't just going to fall to the ground like they were with Eli. He knows that he can count on Samuel because he created him for this purpose. You know, for such a time as this in the life of Israel at this time, they needed a man of sterling character and and a man of devotion like Samuel because the, the whole state of Israel, the whole country was floundering. 
Remember, we just came out of Judges, and you recall the ups and the downs that Israel went through. And these things are still occurring. Israel is not walking at its best right now. And there's a lot of corruption, and especially in the house of God, where the people ought to have been able to have come to worship the Lord, but now they're coming to very corrupt priests. Very corrupt priests. But notice what it says in verse 21 of chapter 3. It says, The Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord, notice, the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word, and notice in verse 1 of chapter 4, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. I want you to notice the order in that because that's significant. Notice what it says. The Lord revealed himself first to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord, and then the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Notice that God's word became his word. Do you see that? First it was the Lord speaking to him, and then he's going to speak to the people. So Samuel's word wasn't a word of his own. It was the word of God spoken to him. And then Samuel, notice in verse 1, he speaks to all of Israel. And that is very important to see, because we cannot give except we receive it first. The message didn't originate from Samuel. It originated in the heart of God, and then from the heart of God to Samuel. And then Samuel, because he was a faithful man, God can entrust him with that message to give it to the people. Isn't it interesting that that God would even use anybody? I find that very fascinating. You know, even in prayer, you know, can God get a lot more done without us? I believe he probably could. We're the biggest liability. But he loves it that way. God is not upset with you. In fact, he loves to... Have us a part of what he's doing. There's a fellowship there that he enjoys. And he enjoys the fact that he can whisper things into our heart and for us to hear him and say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're a part of. I want to be, I want to have a heart like yours. And when he does that work, it is such a wonderful thing. And our our hearts begin to align with his. And that's really what it's all about. It's about the relationship. It's about the fellowship. It's not just about God needing foot soldiers. He could have created robots to get his work done. But there's something wonderful about him working in our hearts and, and, and wrestling with us at times. Wrestling our will. And he gives us the free choice to have a free will. He doesn't override that at all. But isn't it wonderful? When God is working and all of a sudden you come to the point in your own life and you're like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done wrestling with you, God. I'm done hearing what your word says and and just kind of taking it in but not doing anything about it. Do you know if you do that, your life is going to be stagnant. It's going to be stale. If you find your Christianity stale, ask yourself the question, am I giving out what I've been given? Because first I have to receive from above and then I have to give that out. And And when that continues... Then there's life. There's life. And anything that we do for the Lord must be something that is given to us first that we might give it out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, said this. He said, For who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? Everything that we've been given has been given by the Lord, even the faith to believe in him. And can I boast then in any gift or anything that he's given me? When before, before him, I didn't have anything. But now with him, he's given certain things. He's given us a message. He's given us gifts, spiritual gifts. He's given us a voice to speak on his behalf. What a privilege that is. Think of it. I mean, more so than speaking for the president. I mean, I think of Kaylee McEnany, who she stands up. What a wonderful young lady she is. 
But she has just got so much zip, and I love that about her. And she's speaking on behalf of the president. But do you know that God wants to use us to speak on behalf of him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords? More than any president, we get that privilege. But we need to be a conduit of God's word and his love and nothing else. And I want to show you a visual here because this will make a lot of sense to you. This is a satellite photo of Israel, 580 miles from space. And I want you to notice up here, you can see the snow-capped Mount Hermon up here. And then there's a valley right here. There used to be a little lake here called Mount or Lake Hula, but it's no longer there. But the Jordan River actually comes into the Sea of Galilee, which is right here. And so, and there's other, there's three other tributaries that feed into the Jordan up here. The Tobias and up here by Dan um, also is another tributary. And all this snow from this from Mount Hermon comes into these tributaries, emptying into the Jordan River, going down into the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee is wonderfully fresh water. We baptized some folks in it. Just, uh, you know, back in, in March, and it was a wonderful time. It was a wonderful time, and the water's beautiful. Freshwater fish, you know, you can eat the fish. It's really a wonderful place. But then, notice, it receives from above this crystal clear, pure water. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. In fact, when we're up at Dan, I have a little video. If I had time, I'd show it to you. But the water's raging down, and it's just crystal clear. And it's just coming through. It goes into the Jordan, empties out into the Sea of Galilee. And then what happens to the Sea of Galilee? It lets the water pass through the Jordan Valley, and it comes all the way down here to the Dead Sea. But when you get down to the, here, the Dead Sea, it's landlocked. Now, there's a lot of other reasons why this is so dead down here. You know, God did some amazing things. And, but the fact of the matter is, there's no outlet here. All the water comes down from Galilee, goes through the Jordan River, right through the center, these mountain ranges on each side. It comes down here, and it gets landlocked there. And there's nothing live there. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. It's 33% salt. 33%. Nothing can survive in it. I remember in 2011 when Pastor Jeff and I and the the group of us went, there was a man from Pakistan who actually died right on the shore. We were right there when it happened. He went out in the water. He was an older man. He ingested some of the water by accident. He went into cardiac arrest. They tried to bring him back to life. But my point is, is not that so much. But the fact is, there's nothing that is alive down here because it's landlocked. But notice the Sea of Galilee. It's full of life. It's teeming with life. Why? Because it receives from above the Mount Hermon, the waters that melt. It goes through the Sea of Galilee, and it gives out. And see, this is a great... The geography of Israel is a wonderful example, a pictorial example, of the way you and I should be. If I'm always receiving and receiving and receiving and never do anything about it, just kind of going home and not speaking to anybody about Jesus, I become like this, the Dead Sea. But when my life is, I'm receiving, I'm receiving all the time, but I'm also giving out, your life is going to be much more vibrant. You're going to have a much more, a greater relationship with the Lord. And as a result of that, people are going to get blessed. You're going to get blessed. And God can entrust you with even more. To whom much is given, much is required, right? And so when we receive, don't just receive it and hold it in. Give it out so that you will be like... The Sea of Galilee, teeming with life, receiving from above, giving out from underneath. Don't be like the Dead Sea, where you receive and receive and receive and don't do anything. I would encourage you to to consider that. But the reason I bring that up is because of what it says here. 
notice that the word of God came to Samuel. And Samuel was faithful to deliver that message. It just went right through him. He was like the Sea of Galilee. Receiving the message, giving it out. And how important is that for all of us? But notice, it says that, Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. And Aphek is a, a town that is due west of Shiloh. And in this place, in Shiloh, remember, was the tabernacle. But now the Philistines are gathering in Aphek, which is in their land, uh, along where the Philistines were. And it's interesting, this word Ebenezer actually means stone of help. That's literally what the name means, Ebenezer. Remember, and come thou fount of every blessing, here I lay my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, the hymn that we sing. That's what it means. In fact, it, it defines for itself that that's what it is, the stone of help. And we're going to see in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12, um, Israel is going to be defeated a couple times here. We're going to see that in chapter 4. We've already read some of it already. But in 1 Samuel chapter 7, uh, Israel is finally going to get the victory. And Samuel is going to set up a stone and he's going to call it Ebenezer because he's going to realize the Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped us. And he's going to reverse that, that bad uh, defeat that they received earlier. But notice, the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they enjoined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the, of, of, of the field, or in the field. And you've got to ask yourself, the armies, you know, Israel defeated by its enemies? Why is that? Why is it that God would allow his own people to be defeated by their perennial enemy, the, the Philistines? Yes, they were. They were defeated twice. And they even bring out the Ark of the Covenant, which we're going to see. They're going to bring out the Ark, and they're going to hope to, to gain victory by it. But we have to remember something, that God hates sin. He hates sin, and he's no respecter of persons. And even though they were slack in it, God used his people, remember, to root out those seven pagan, idolatrous nations when they came out of, uh, out of Egypt. He brought them, he dispossessed those people in the land of Canaan at the time. He said, go in and wipe out everything, right? So God does that. He uses his own people to do that. However, when his own people were in gross sin and, and unrepentant, God used pagan nations and the Philistines to come against his own people. It, it just shows you that he is not a respecter of persons. He'll use his people to judge others. He'll also use others to judge his people if they're not walking with him. And for you and I, we can be chastened. And when we are, we need to consider where we've gone wrong. He brought the king of Assyria against the northern ten tribes, remember, in 722 B.C. He also brought Babylon against Judah in 586 B.C. And it's interesting, in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 23, he even called Babylon the hammer of the whole earth. He called Babylon, this pagan nation, the hammer of the whole earth. And he even called it, in Jeremiah 51, verse 20, he says, You are my battle axe and my weapon of war. <laughs> he said that of Babylon. You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you I will break the nation in pieces. 
With you I will destroy kingdoms. And he's speaking to Babylon. With you I will break in pieces the horse and its rider. With you I will break in pieces the chariot and its rider. With you I will break in pieces man and woman. With you I will break in pieces old and young. With you I will break in pieces the young man and the maiden. With you I also will break in pieces the shepherd and his flock. With you I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen. With you I will break in pieces governors and rulers, and I will repay Babylon. Notice, he's going to use them, he's, God's going to use Babylon to bring judgment on other nations, including his own people, but are they guiltless? Are they off free at that point? No, he says, but I will repay Babylon. See, they, they're doing it of their own nasty heart, do you understand? God knows what they're going to do. He knows what's in their heart, and he can use them to bring chastisement or even judgment upon other nations. But he holds them accountable for their own actions. He doesn't cause them to do it. Do you understand that? Because God does not make anybody do anything. He could if he wanted to, but he chooses not to. He chooses not to. And we also see in the first century A.D., God brought who against Israel? He brought Rome. And in 70 A.D., he allowed his own people to be destroyed by a nation that was so pagan, their leader was identifying himself as being God himself. Filthy was the Roman Empire. And yet God would use them to chasten his people? It hardly, it doesn't seem fair, does it? It doesn't seem right at all. But God does these things. Why? Because he's not a respecter of persons. And he hates sin. He hates sin. Whether it's in those who have despised him, or even those in his own people. Now, thank God, you and I have been saved by Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ. Does God pour out his judgment on us now, the church? Does he do that? We are chastened, aren't we? You can be chastened, but that does, that's not necessarily God's judgment. But when God has poured out his Judgment upon his son once and for all. That's why you and I have such a wonderful relationship with the Lord based on the scriptures, because that's what the scriptures say. He paid the price. So he doesn't need to judge us any longer. And notice that the Philistines killed about 4,000 men. 4,000 men. And I wonder if their Jewish ancestors had done what God had told them to do, this problem wouldn't exist. Remember, when he brought them into the land, he told them to go into the land and destroy everything. Man, woman, child, everything. But they failed to do it. Even in Joshua's time, they went in to take portions of the land, and they didn't completely drive out the enemy. God told them to do it, and yet they didn't do it. And as a result of that... The people afterward, the Jews and the you know who grown up and the, the, the ancestors as they come along, they're having to deal with the problem that shouldn't have been. Does that make sense? They shouldn't have had to deal with the Philistines at this time because their their ancestors, their their forefathers should have taken care of that problem. Do you see how just a little bit of disobedience, how it's just it's it's like a cascade and it just goes on down to our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, our great-great-grandkids. Sometimes those things happen. And that's why sin is such a big deal. That's why we have to take uh, heed to ourselves and not allow these things to have dominion over us. So in verse 3 it says, And when the people had gone into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? You see the tone in that? 
Why has God defeated us before, today before the Philistines? Notice they blame God for their defeat. Was it God's fault that they were defeated, or was it their own fault? Let me suggest to you it was their own fault, because by this time they had gotten so far away from the Lord. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.